1: Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message.
0: Now, I want you to see there in chapter 2, where he talks about when he came to them and the testimony that he had when he came to the church there at Corinth. Look in verse 1 of chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you. In other words, I didn't come here to be taught. I came to teach. Save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. See in verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So he gave them the gospel. And he trusted in that message that he had. You see, he could have gone to those Corinthians, and as he looked upon their debauchery and all their wickedness and their sexuality, I guess he could have started a campaign That I want everybody to clean up your life and stop this and stop that and started some social programs and try to educate them on why they shouldn't do that. Do you know the cure for all of the sinful and wickedness in the world? Win people to Christ and teach them right and wrong after they trust the Lord. But you don't try to clean up people's lives. I didn't find out that won't work. And I don't do a very good job anyway. Let the Holy Spirit that lives within a person, He can do a better because He's doing an inside job. All we can see is the outside. And we try to get people to clean up the outside, but we don't know where they spiritually are on the inside. But you get the inside right between them and God, and the outside will take care of itself. At least I believe it will. So go back now to the book of Acts in chapter 18. But he says that he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath. Persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia. Now see, according to this verse, it seems like, okay, they finally got there. But it seems like Paul had waited for them in Athens. So did they ever get to Athens? I, I don't really know. There's another verse that I will let you look at in just a moment. But it seems like that when they did come to Athens, while he was there, Paul sent him away. I really don't know. I do have a, a problem with that. But what I want you to see is this. And when Silas and Timothy were come into Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews and, that Jesus was Christ. See, that was the issue with the Jews. Jesus is Christ? He is the Messiah that you've been looking for and waiting for. And so he would reason with them out of the Scriptures. But what I want you to do is hold your place right here and look in the Book of First Thessalonians in Chapter Three. First Thessalonians in Chapter Three, because you see, he had just been to Thessalonica, and there were people there that had trusted the Lord, and this is where he had left Silas and so forth. And they were there strengthening the brethren. And he went on into Athens and now into Corinth. And so if you look there in the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 3. Look there in verse 1. He says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens. And you see the next word? Alone. We thought it good to be left at Athens alone. Because this is where he went after he had already been there in Thessalonica. And then notice what else he says in verse 2. And sent Timothy, Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborers in the gospel of Christ. As though they did get to Athens, but then he sent them back to them because he wanted to know about their faith, what's going on in their life. He was more concerned about them, because that's why in chapter 2, he says, ye are my joy and my crown. You see up there in verse 20, he says, for ye are my glory and my joy. So Paul was so concerned about them, and so evidently he had sent Timothy, and I don't know if Silas went back with him at this time or not. But now, notice what else he says here in verse 2. And sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborers in the gospel of Christ, get to, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Now, in spite of all the problems that the Apostle Paul was going through, all the afflictions that he had, And he suffered greatly. And I believe Paul was right on the verge of a collapse. You say well where do you find out? I see things in the scriptures that may not be there but I believe they are. Because I try to put myself in his place and how I see and how I think. And I try to like go from this city and I'm actually walking along the road with Paul. And I'm sensing what he sees and I think I know how he feels. When you've been serving the Lord for 50 something years, you kind of get a touch of it. And I realized I've already lived probably longer than the Apostle Paul had lived. I may have already had a ministry longer than what the Apostle Paul had. Remember when Jesus was here, uh, he only lived to be 33. I've lived over twice that long. Do I deserve that? I don't deserve anything. That's grace. But I don't want God's grace that's been bestowed upon me to be bestowed upon me in vain. And I believe that Paul says that God has bestowed this grace upon him and I don't want to labor in vain. I don't want to live in vain. Wouldn't it be a shame for God to give you years to live and then you didn't use them for the Lord? That would be a shame. But notice what he says here. He says in verse 4, For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. You know what I'm telling you is the truth and what we went through. See in verse 3 where he says that no man should be moved by these afflictions. Uh, Now look in verse 5. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith. Lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. In other words, because I know how powerful the devil tries to stop me, I'm concerned about you. So I was willing to be here in this place, in this heathen city alone, but send Timotheus or Timothy to see how you're doing and to strengthen you in the faith. Because I don't want our labor that we spent there to be in vain. See, your labor in the Lord's never in vain between you and God. But with people, you can labor in vain. You can witness in vain. It means that people don't respond. It means that people's lives may not get changed. But whenever you do it between you and God, see, that's never in vain. God will reward you for what you've done. But people don't always respond. And the devil's always trying to destroy. If the devil tried to destroy these great men of God and these churches, don't you think that he knows Calvary Community Church exists? Don't you think he's going to work on this church and these people? On you? You ever get down and discouraged? You ever have a lot of afflictions? Nobody loves you? Have a pity party? Go out in the garden and eat worms? I don't know. Look in verse 6. But now when Timothy came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that ye have good remembrance of us always desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our afflictions and distress by your faith. You see. He didn't say, we didn't have any problems, no stress, no strain, everything's wonderful. No, we did. But it was so comforting when Timothy came from you. And he talked about your faith. And your care for us. Your love for us. Do you think that helped cheer Paul up a little bit? I think so. Of course, you can read the whole book of 2 Thessalonians and 1 Thessalonians and be surprised how much of it is what happened when he went there. And now you have the rest of the story when he writes the letter to the churches. Go back to the book of Acts in chapter 18. Back to Acts chapter 18. He makes the statement here, and I want you to be sure you understand there's a good possibility that not only is Paul down physically, but also down spiritually. Uh, before we go any further, I, I want you to see this first. Look in 2 Corinthians in chapter 10. 2 Corinthians in chapter 10. Because, see, this is still, even though it's 2 Corinthians, is to the church at Corinth. And in 2 Corinthians in chapter 10, he makes a statement in verse 10. For his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful. But his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Paul wasn't the greatest orator in the world. He says, I was among you in fear and in trembling. And I didn't use great swelling words of intellect to impress you. I just told you the gospel. So if the Apostle Paul could walk in this room right now, I don't think anybody in here would be impressed at what you see. His bodily presence was weak, contemptible. You wouldn't even want to listen to him, let alone look at him, and how much affliction he had, and what he went through to to get the gospel to these people that were a bunch of heathen. And he was pressed in His Spirit, I believe, because He saw their need. Turn to the left to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. I want you to see this. You want to know what kind of people these people were? This is what He had to work with. Remember, He wasn't going to the uppity up. These were the down and out. You see, in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, look in verse 9. He said, No, you're not. That the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Now get what he's saying. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, or revilers, or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. That's the way they were when Paul met them. But that's the way they were. See, Paul knew The only way you change people's lives is with the gospel. The gospel is powerful. It's just that people won't use it. They won't tell people the greatest news in all the world. See, if you want to save America, just get America saved. And then teach them what God says about why we should do this or that. There's got to be a reason, a more powerful reason than just, well, we got to get the economy going. Everybody's talking about, well, the problem is the economy. It's not the economy. We are spiritually bankrupt in America. We're morally sick. We're without God. So he says here in verse 11, And such were some of you. But how are you now? Well, you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And that's how they were looked upon. Because they trusted Christ as their Savior. Did you know that when you read 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, they had four major problems in these churches? And one, when you get to chapter 5, a man was sleeping with his mama. Stepmama probably. And in the church, they were getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. They were using the real stuff and getting drunk. Paul was so ashamed of them. They had all the gifts. Anybody want gifts? They had them. But they were a shame and a disgrace. But Paul was thankful. Hey, we got a church started. There's people here that believed on the Lord. And so great things were happening. Go back there to the book of Acts in chapter 18. When he makes the statement here in verse 6, and when they opposed themselves and blasphemed He shook his raiment, said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. So you know he must be responding to those of the Jewish belief, of the Judaism. Because he had been on the Sabbath, uh, being in the synagogue from verse 4. And so they put it away. Don't you know this is what broke the heart of the Apostle Paul? And he rent his clothes. The Bible says he shook his clothes. Uh, But so you get an idea. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Hold your place here. Matthew in chapter 10. Because in chapter 9, you see the compassion of Christ. Uh, When he talks about, you know, he saw the multitude as sheep having no shepherd. And he was moved with compassion on them. And said, Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into the vineyard. And then in chapter 10, he gets his disciples together and sends them forth. And told them to go to the house of Israel. And um, it made statements along the way about if somebody doesn't hear you and doesn't respond as they should, then there's something that he wanted them to do. Let's just start in verse 11. And into whatsoever city. See, when you serve the Lord, whatever city you go into, whatever town, whatever house, whoever you talk to. See, you just trust the Holy Spirit to lead you to witness as you witness. But if you wait for the Holy Spirit to lead you to talk to any particular person, you probably will wait for the rest of your life. It's easier for the Holy Spirit to guide a person that's on the move, doing something, obeying God. And he says, into whatsoever city or town you enter, inquire who is worthy or wants to know. And there abide, you go hence. And then in verse 12, and when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, or because they wanted to know the truth, they allowed you to talk, let your peace come upon them. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. In verse 14, because you've delivered your soul, you've tried to present the message, they don't hear it, and so forth. Verse 14, and get this, Whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house, find a corner, sit down, and whine and pine, and complain that nobody loves you. He didn't say that. I added all that in there. He says, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpent and harmless as doves. Because you see, not everybody is going to believe. Not everybody wants to hear. But you're not to let that stop you. And if you're a witness to people, you'll find out some people will be wide open. And now there will be other people, they don't want to hear it, and they'll walk away, uh, you give them a track, and they'll say, I don't want that. Throw it on the ground, stomp it, spit on it, give it back to you, whatever. Some people can't handle rejection. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about fulfilling the command to go, to witness To do what God wants us to do. Now go back to the book of Acts in chapter 18. So this is why Paul shook his clothes in that sense. Because it dealt with the subject. I have made myself free. Clean. The blood is upon your own heads. Now it's your responsibility. I've delivered my soul. You'll also read that in the book of Acts in chapter 20. So he says here. From henceforth in the last part of verse 6. I will go unto the Gentiles. That did not mean that he never went back to the synagogue, that he didn't ever talk to any Jews. But it wasn't going to be his first priority, that he always went to the synagogue. You see, the Bible talks about, in the book of Luke in chapter 24, about going into all the world and preaching the gospel, beginning at Jerusalem. And so when he says in the book of Romans chapter 1 that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Doesn't mean that we're supposed to take the gospel only to the Jew and if the Jew doesn't then we can go to the Gentile. No. That's the way it was when it started. He says and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and the othermost parts of the This is where it began to the Jew first. When Christ came to the Jew first, the apostle to the Jew first, when he told him in chapter 10, and told him to God, he says, only to the lost house of Israel, not to the Gentiles. And then he says, and to all the world, beginning at Jerusalem. And so this is where it started, and it begins to branch out. So I do not have to worry about, well, I can't witness to you because i got to talk to the Jew first. No. It was with the Jew first. Now it's over here in America. But wherever we go, I don't have a priority with anybody in particular. I'll witness to whomever and wherever and just whosoever believeth. Whosoever will listen. So he says in verse 7, And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house, named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. Right next door to the synagogue. And Crispus. The chief ruler of the synagogue believed on the Lord with all his house. And you ought to underline this word, many, many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. That's usually the order it goes, hearing, believing, and baptized. But you'll notice the word Crispus. In first Corinthians chapter one and verse fourteen, where Paul is trying to get them to say, you know, we supposed to have the same mind. But some of you say, I am of Apollos some of Cephas. He says, were you baptized in the name of Paul? He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. And whether I baptized any others, I know not, except the household of Stephanus. So there is a wonderful lesson here that even though there was just one person, but he wasn't just anybody. Out of these Gentiles that were so wicked, there was a chief ruler of the synagogue, right next door to the house of justice where he will stay in. Just a coincidence. And this man trusts Christ as his Savior. And many people trusted the Lord. Now, get what he says here in verse 9. In verse 9 says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Now, God doesn't do this this way anymore. If you have a vision, it's too many onions on your hamburgers. He says... You are to underline these three words, be not afraid. God is having to intervene and tell Paul not to be afraid. Do you realize how much he had already been through? What he had been through as a man, how he has suffered as a man, and how lonely he has been as a man. In order that others could be comforted and hear and strengthened and so forth. And the price that he had to pay. And as we said just a moment ago. His bodily presence was contemptible. His speech was contemptible. He said I was among you in weakness. It means physically he was a weak man. He had something that was definitely wrong with him. Whether eyesight, back problems, I don't know all of it. None of us do. Or the devil followed them all over. And always opposition. And always the strife and the stress that he was under. So the Lord, I guess, wanted to give him a little comfort. He says, I got a lot of people in this city. Kind of like, you know, Elijah says, Lord, I'm the only one left. He says, I've got 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. You're not the only one. And the Lord let him know, I'm going to protect you while you're here. I'm going to keep you safe. See what he says here. This is so wonderful. He says in verse 9. Be not afraid. But speak. Hold not thy peace. For I am with thee. And no man shall set on thee. To hurt thee. I think Paul had been so hurt. For so long. He was at a breaking point. And God has to intervene. And come alongside. That's what the Holy Spirit is. To comfort. Do you think God knows your breaking point. How much you can take. How much you can handle. Remember the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says I was pressed beyond measure. I despaired even my life. Now that's pretty low. If it can happen to the apostle Paul. I guarantee you. You and I can get here too. But the Lord knows our limits. How much we can handle. He had already told Paul, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace, that power, that strength that you need will be sufficient. But he also needed that reassurance from the Lord, even if it takes a dream to do it. I'm not going to let anybody hurt you in this town. And you know what it says in verse 11? And he continued there for a year and a half, teaching the word of God among them. Wouldn't it be nice just sometimes just to have a little breathing room? Time to heal? I have no idea how much Paul had suffered, but when you read the book of First Corinthians in chapter 11, excuse me, 2nd Corinthians, and it lists all the things that Paul had gone through, you would think, how could any man have ever survived under that? Let me give you this before I quit. Look in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and then I turn to 1 Corinthians. Look in verse 1, where it says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we faint not. It means we don't quit. And then look there in verse 8 where he says, We are troubled on every side, did not destroy. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. In other words, always thinking about what he did for me. To give me the strength, considering him. You and I are running a race. How well are you running? getting tired and weary, about ready to throw the towel in. Just read the Word of God. That's why I say the book of Acts is God's soul-winning manual. It's designed for soul-winners. If you're not a soul-winner, it doesn't help you as much, but when you see what He went through and why He went through what He did, because of His love for souls. Would take my place. Do you have to be baptized in water
1: to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316,
0: Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up.
1: Amazing grace. Amazes me.